Over the next few weeks, we will be interviewing the authors from the collaborative book, The Grief Experience, Tools for Acceptance, Resilience, and Connection, which is set to release in February of 2024. These authors have each experienced their own unique grief journey and will be sharing their personal stories with us. We will also explore the specific tools they used to cope with their grief and how these tools can benefit others who may be going through similar experiences. Grief is a complex and challenging process, and each person's experience is different. By sharing our stories and tools, we hope to provide support, guidance, and comfort to those navigating their grief journey. Each author has experienced different types of loss and comes from a variety of backgrounds, beliefs, and experiences. As a result, they offer valuable insights and perspectives. We are honored to have them join us on this podcast series and to share their stories and tools with you, our Path 11 podcast listeners. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 Podcast. We are so happy to kind of be back here offering you some episodes. We took a little break this summer because we have been working on our podcast. I'm sorry, we have been working on our documentary, which has kind of thrown us off the loop for interviewing people for some podcasts. But for the past couple of months, I have been pre-recording shows with a bunch of authors that I get to work with in a new book called The Grief Experience. So we have invited, I think, about 17 of the 25 authors that you guys have been listening to for the past few weeks here. And I have another person to introduce you to. And we're going to talk about cumulative grief and the silver linings of that. How do you find a silver lining when you have experienced so much grief and grief one after the other? And my guest today has experience with that, a lot of experience with that. And she has been to find her silver linings through the tough grief journey. So I think you are going to find this show just very inspiring and will give some of you who are dealing with a lot of that grief some hope today. So my guest today is Amy Linder Lesser, and she uh, created the Grief Recovery Method, specialist and certified life transition coach, She is also an MSW and compassionately supports women through the emotions and feelings of loss and grief that arise with major life transitions. Whether it's the heartbreaking grief that arises from the loss of a loved one or the disorientation felt when life suddenly shifts due to the loss of a job, relationship, identity, or health challenge, Amy is passionate about guiding clients to understand and navigate the transition with self-compassion. Her own journey of navigating the losses of her husband and best friend led her to work, led her to the work she is passionate about today. As she discovered and teaches, grief and loss have no set healing timelines or order. Amy has a master's in social work with a concentration in families and has compassionately served clients in a variety of situations, 
including home health care, hospice, and women's health. And her website is introspection.com. I'm going to put that in the show notes because clearly I can't get that out of my mouth today. And it is I-N-N-T-R-O-S-P-E-C-T-I-O-N.com. So you guys can visit that and we'll remind you of that at the end of the show. So Amy, welcome to the Path Lover Podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being invited to be a participant to this. Yeah, and I was really happy that you were one of the local people in the book and you came on out to the happy hour that we had and we had a chance to sit next to each other and introduce ourselves and get to know each other a little bit. And I just loved uh, talking with you. We had some fun conversations about after-death communication and just learning about your whole journey from you know where you were to where you are now. And even though I've learned a little bit about that already, I was hoping we can start there to give my listeners just the background of how you came into the social work field, a little bit about, I think you were doing not an Airbnb, but you had a regular B&B. And a in. regular being yeah, and in. And then, you know, now here you are just working with women and, you know, dealing with life's transitions. And you're going to get the chance to tell your story about cumulative grief and loss and what that looks like and how to find that silver lining. So let's give my listeners your background. So my, the first loss that I experienced, I was six years old and my grandfather died. And what was interesting about that was that my parents felt that I was too young to understand. And so they sheltered me and they all went off to a funeral. I wasn't allowed to go. I didn't really understand what was going on. And about a week later, I heard from a friend, also another six-year-old, how she knew before I did. And it was like, oh, ow. Didn't. I didn't understand. I mean, I don't think five and six-year-olds really understand anything, even adults. We don't know what happens really when somebody dies. So that was my first loss. And then it was followed by my great-grandmother. I was fortunate enough to have one until I was, I think I was 11 when she passed. Then from there, it was my father when I was, I had just graduated from college. And decided that I wanted to go to the Peace Corps. And I was like, no, I really don't. I don't think I want to rough it. But I can help people if I go into social work. So I decided to study and I studied social work. And first day of graduate school, I met my best friend. I picked her up off the ground after she had tripped. <laughs> and from that day, for 44 years, we talked to each other every single evening, with the exception of when I went and did my two adoptions for my daughters. Then I got married right after grad school. My grandmother passed away. My grandparents, other grandparents passed away. I found out I was having problems getting pregnant. And we went through an infertility struggle and ended up adopting two wonderful girls who are now in their 30s, which is amazing. I'm only 28. Right. How'd you do that? <laughs> older than I. And so that was another loss of, of fertility, of being able to reproduce. My mother-in-law passed away 
And within about a nine-month period, I was diagnosed with diabetes and had to have surgery in my eye. My husband was diagnosed with melanoma and he had surgery. And we looked at each other and said, you know what? If we don't change our lives and do what we want to do in the future, we may never have that chance. So we bought a 20-room inn and moved from Philadelphia up to the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts and began our journey as innkeepers. Two and a half years later, my husband passed from the melanoma. And I stayed at the inn, raised my daughters for about 25 years at the inn. And during that time, my stepfather passed at 103 and three quarters. And three months later, my mother passed away. So the, the things just, the deaths and the changes and, and everything just piling on. I was fortunate in some ways during COVID because even though the government had shut down any non-essential business, I had some money that I could keep my employees working. And we did. We did Facebook Lives to let people know we were still around. And some of our guests came back during the summer. And then what happened was my front doorbell rang in December of 2020 with a realtor who said, are you looking to sell? And I said, no. And all of a sudden, the voice in the back of my head said, don't be a fool, Amy. Every business is for sale if the price is right. And so I said, okay, I'll talk to your buyers. I did that. And March 30th, I was out of the inn. We had closed on the business. And then I had to take my entire 25-year career and life and move. So I moved from the Berkshires to the capital region and had to start over another life quake or life change. Even though it's only an hour away, it's as if I had moved to the other side of the earth. You know, very few friends commute. So if I don't go over there, I don't see the people that I was friends with. COVID was happening. People were staying in their own homes and their cocoons. And it was very hard to meet people. And then my best friend passed away. And at her memorial service, now I will say, she had been in a terrible car accident, had been paralyzed basically from the waist down, was on dialysis for years. Um, she really didn't have much of a quality of life. And towards the end, she knew and she was ready to go. And I supported her as much as I could. But at her memorial service, I was like, her life can't be in vain. I had been working with innkeepers and doing coaching with them. And was getting frustrated because not many innkeepers feel that they want help from anybody outside. And I said, you know, Liz was a social worker. She helped absolutely everybody. Let me take this and make it a lesson. And that's when I switched to moving and coaching on life quakes and grief and loss. That wow. at some point during the last 15 years, I, I personally was doing coaching for myself. And I remember hearing the statement, life doesn't happen to you. 
it happens for you. Yeah, I love that one. And it was like fireworks or something went off in me. And I was like, you know what? I can choose to play the victim or I can choose to find the lessons or in this case, the silver linings and see what I was meant to learn and how I was meant to grow through all these experiences. And that's what I've done. I lost count of how many people you lost. But I, I think, I mean, close up to 10. Let's go through it just for a second, just to kind of make this point. So from your six years old until how old were you when your best friend died? 66. 66. Okay. So from six to 66, you had, your grandfather was the first one. Go ahead. Go through my them. My grandfather, my great-grandmother, my father's parents, my other grandmother, my f- oh, I missed my father, didn't I? Or did I say him? I lost. I lost the back again. I don't okay. think you said your dad. We'll go okay, start again. Yeah. Okay. Great grandmother, grandfather, other grandparents, father, great uh, grandmother, my mother, my stepfather, my husband, and my best friend. Ten. That's ten close relationships. Right. Plus, I had a former employee who suicided, who was a very good friend of my older daughter's, and then other people in the community who I was close with. Yeah. So yesterday I had spoken to a client of mine and she was 36 and had experienced her first death, you know? So just hearing that and then sitting across from you and from six years old all the way to 66, probably with some acquaintances and stuff mixed in. I mean, you were a 10 solid of very close, intimate relationships of death. You know, I mean, that is a lot. That is what we called cumulative grief. Definitely. You know, it's like every couple of years, somebody in your life close to you is is passing. And I know just just the shock of one you know, and trying to get through one. And then if you have some, you know, within a, a year or a couple of years, it just feels like you're in constant grief. I remember attending a funeral for a woman I've never met. She was a good friend's mother. And I drove to Buffalo for the funeral. And I'm sitting in a church, and I'm not Christian. And I'm sitting there, and I was overwhelmed by grief and feelings. And I'm like, I'm sitting here sobbing for somebody that I've never met. Something needs to change. Not that I, I'm going to stop being a caring person because I'm definitely an empath. However, I can't live my life if I break down every single time some, somebody passes. And yeah. So how can you kind of share with us, like, how did you begin to cope, you know, with, with these losses and, you know, and each loss is different and because each human being that touches our life is different, you know? So that's the other thing. You can never predict one, how you're going to feel and every relationship of loss is going to hit you in a totally different way. But what, what are some of the things that you feel really helped you, gave you strength and allowed you to see some of the silver linings of life and the will to keep going yourself? I would say 
the first few, and even with my husband, there was a lot of anticipatory grief. So I knew he was dying. As soon as he was re-diagnosed, I, I said to myself, I remember thinking this, he's going to be gone. This is it. And so I thought that I had done all my grieving while he was still alive. And I made sure to not leave things unsaid. And it worked. And then I was very busy because our inn was very busy. He happened to pass two days before my birthday. And what I said to myself was, he did you the favor. He didn't die on your birthday. And I believe that. I believe that, you know, someplace in his subconscious, he said, it's got to happen before. He also passed before our kids had a chance to see him as debilitated as he was. He had been going through radiation and some chemo, and he was down to looking like a skeleton. He had lost his hair, and he had no lab left on him. And I think that would have been a horrible memory for my children. And his gift to them was passing in the hospital before they came home, the day before they came home. But I thought that, okay, I had done it all. And I started giving his things away, like, almost immediately. And then three years later, I was like, oh, darn. And it came back. And it came back. And I started, I started getting angry, which was great. I was able to be angry at him and at God and at the universe for making me go through it again and for thinking that I would grow old with somebody. I started journaling and I started working with coaches. And, you know, there's been some wonderful advice or things that people have said. You know, another thing that really made, gave me strength was, do I want to be a survivor or do I want to be a thriver? And I was like, you know, I was 40, almost 43 when he died. And I was like, I've got at least 40 more years ahead. And I know that she would have wanted me to live my life fully. And so two days later on my birthday, I went out to a restaurant with my daughters and my mother and a few friends, and I celebrated. I celebrated him, and I celebrated that I was alive. And that's been very meaningful. And I happen to be Jewish, and in the Jewish faith, there's a tradition that we light a candle on the anniversary of somebody's death. And I've always struggled with that. And I've argued, you know, with rabbis, like, why? I don't want to remember when somebody died. I want to remember when they were born. I want to see them as a gift to the world and to me. And so what I started doing is I light a candle the night before his birthday. And I do it for my mother. I do it for my father, for my friend. And it's a way of me celebrating that they were here on this earth and they contributed to my life to the world. And it's a positive thing. 
You know, I also will make contributions to to places and organizations that support them and their ideals. And then the other thing that's been a lifesaver for me, two things. One is journaling. And the other is coaching other people and helping other people see the gift that they have in their lives. For me, I've recently started to see that one of the ways that they're gifts is that we often don't have a choice in the labels we put on ourselves when we're younger or before we've had loss. You know, I was a wife, I was a mother, I was a daughter. Well, I'm none of those anymore. Now I get to define who I want to be and what I like doing. You know, did do I want to be an innkeeper? Do I want to be a social worker? Do I want to be whatever? I can choose. There's nobody else saying, you have to do this. There's nobody telling me, you know, this is what you have to like. Or this is the color of your hair. Whatever it is, it's it's me. And that's an amazing gift. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you said earlier, too. Do I want to be a survivor or a thriver? So that's a real shift in framework of thinking as mm-hmm. well, you know, and, uh, you know, so and there is one thing to like just survive something and and OK, I got through it. But how do you thrive? You know, and you have been absolutely. And I remember when we were sitting together enjoying our dinner and you pulled out the phrase life quakes. I help women with life quakes. And I thought that is one of the most clever phrases I've ever heard. I love that. So I'd like you to kind of also talk a little bit about that because, you know, loss is a lot of those life quakes like you were talking about. It doesn't actually have to be somebody dying, but we on this planet, I feel like, like what the Buddhists say is that we reborn, we're reborn and die and have this cycle of life, like, you know, many times before we actually get to the point of death. So I would love for you to explain kind of your thoughts and how you kind of came up with life quakes and how you look at that and help women out with those situations. I wish I could take credit for inventing the term. I can't. You did. I found it in something that Bruce Feiler wrote. He's an author who has written a few books and he talked about his journey with cancer as a life quake. But when I thought about it, I was like, you know, grief and loss is so much more than death that often we don't even know that we're experiencing grief because we didn't experience a death. But losing a job that you've had, it's an identity shift. Um, or losing a dream, the possibility of something. So I love the term life quick because it really expands the whole idea. I see it as a life transition, which is a normal event that we all go through. And I read somewhere, and it might have been in Bruce's work, that we can expect a transition every seven years. I'm not sure how he came up with that cycle. But if you think about it, you live, if you live only to 70, that's 10 of them. Right. That's a lot of major shifts and changes. And so I love that it's a life quake. It normalizes it because as a society, we really 
do a terrible job dealing with the shadow emotions, the dark emotions, things like grief and depression and sadness, anger. Those are all normal emotions. And we need to be able to have that full spectrum. Right. We just need to learn how to, how to have them in a healthy way so that we don't hurt anyone else. Yeah. And it, it also feels like too, like you really found meaning in your grief and found even more of a purpose with the loss of your best friend, you know, thinking about the work that she did and the fact that you have this degree in social work and, you know, how can I almost like continue her energy and legacy through you and to be inspired by how she touched the lives of people, you know, I think is also a way to find that, that silver lining that you were talking about. Well, definitely both my late husband and my friend Liz were both social workers, as I. So, oh, I didn't realize your husband was too. He was a wow. social worker and a family therapist. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, when he was diagnosed with that melanoma, and you said, you know, if we don't do this now, we may never do it. And to kind of switch to the in, did you know or have an intuitive sense the first time he was diagnosed? I don't think so. I don't remember having that. Um, it was it was odd because I found the mole on his back, and I remember thinking it was. I don't remember seeing it yesterday. How did it get like this this fast? And it turned out it was a stage four, and he had this, an excision, a wide area excision, and we thought everything was fine. It was three about three years later that it came back and it had spread. You know, I don't I don't think most of us realize how scary melanoma can be Mm -hmm. or how deadly you know we think it's a mole yeah let me just take this off wow yeah Yeah. so so you kind of felt like you know sometimes when things like that happen it can kind of snap us into how much time do i have left like are we really living our best life let's make the best of it so it sounds like that also propelled you into taking the sleep to become innkeepers. Well, I think it was also that I was diagnosed with diabetes right. and I had to have the surgery. And my mother-in-law had just passed. Mm-hmm. I also realized that we weren't the best sabers, that we believed, and I still do, that money is energy. And if you spend it, it'll come back. So it was like, you know, if we don't do it, we may not have this amount of money to be able to buy something. Mm-hmm. If we wait and we thought we would do it when our kids went to college, like, you know what, let's just do it. Yeah, why not? Right. <laughs> and you know, I'm very glad that I believe in not putting things off. Yeah, I think that's wonderful because. To me, that's just realistic, right? I mean, we all have an expiration date. We just don't know when. Exactly. You know? And that's one thing that I think I love about death and thinking about it so much because it motivates me to say, let's do this. Okay, share this idea, run this class, go travel here, go do this. You know, it can really motivate you if, if you allow it to or can be in that right state of mind to say, how do I live every minute that I can in the best way that I can? As fully as I can. Yes. I remember my father saying, 
you know, what's the worst thing that happens if you try something? As long as you're not putting yourself at a physical risk where you could be pushing death, he would be like, so you don't get it. Big deal. Right. Or with job interviews, he's like, they don't hire you. It's their loss. And, you know, it's like, that's amazing that it's true. If you don't try, it'll never happen. If you try, it could. Absolutely. So is this in the book, The Grief Experience, assuming that this is going to be your topic and a little bit about what you're writing on? And I know that we're also required to kind of share a tool, which you've already shared a bunch of tools and also reframes of thinking. But is there anything in particular that you're thinking about you're going to add to your chapter of the book for that tool? The tool is going to be some journaling prompts to help people get to who they are what they want. And I, I know that it's hard, especially right after a loss or a life quake, it's hard to be positive. And I'm a very positive person. Sometimes we just want to be, you know, wallowing in our own pity. So I want to make sure that people hear and understand that it's not expected that you find a silver lining immediately or that day. Right. Sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. It may take years, and that's okay to just keep trying to find the lesson. What should, what was I supposed to learn? I don't like saying the word should. (laughs) And, And it can be done. It just may take longer for some people than for others. Right. And if you guys want to know what those journal prompts are, you're going to have to buy the book. Uh, And we will have that link in the show notes. But the other really fun thing that I wanted to also share with you guys, since you guys are podcast listeners, is that Amy also has her own podcast. So you also create a podcast as well. So can you talk a little bit about that so our listeners can find you and uh, listen to what you're talking to your guests about? What I do is hopefully normalize grief and loss in the podcast that I've I've had interviews with some of the most interesting people. We've talked about gender transformation or affirmation surgeries and the spouse that it leaves behind if there is a spouse. Mm-hmm. It's a very unusual kind of grief because you're mourning the loss of an identity of a person, however, that person is still alive, which makes it really tough. I've talked with a woman who does animal communication and helps make the decision with your animal on when it might be time to let go. We, I've talked with somebody who does celebrations of life a woman who's a funeral director, someone who talked about videotaping memories and like directions to your your survivors, the mm. people that you leave behind. Yeah. What kinds of memories and things do you want to let them have in perpetuity? Yep. I've talked to someone who does human design work and tells you about your human design and how you can look at that 
and understand why you respond the way you do. That's nice. Too. And, and yeah. many more. Um, right. It's basically, there's nothing sad about it. They're casual conversations on things that I'm interested in and I think others will be interested in. And what's the name of your podcast? It's called Introspection, Grief to Growth. And introspection is spelled with two ends at the beginning, just like an in or a yeah, I love that. And yeah. it's a of my history at the end. And it can be found on all your normal podcast stations. Yeah. Plus YouTube. And we do have the videos of the talks on YouTube. Awesome. People will listen. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much. Our time has flown together and so glad to meet you and have you on the podcast and to share your story. And, you know, you're so uplifting and just have some great one-liners in here, guys. I think you have to listen to this podcast a couple of times, <laughs> you know, write down some of those great quotes that she said. And, and maybe, you know, the one thing that I take the most to from this is what Amy had said, do you want to be a survivor or a thriver today? So think about what does thriving mean to you? How do you switch from surviving something to thriving? So that's a great takeaway. And uh, yeah, and I'm so excited for the launch of our book. It's going to be coming out in February of 2024. I think the date is February 6th. Do you know, remember? Not sure I'm not day. sure either. Well, we'll make sure we, we know it's somewhere early February. We're going to love for you guys to read that, review that on Amazon, give us some five stars, help us out, spread the word. And it's going to be just an amazing book that's going to be a great tool for so many of you. So we're really excited about that. You can pre-order it. The link is also in there. And I'm actually signing copies because I'm the one that's sh uh, shipping them out and uh, sending them. So I'll have the copies at my house and I'll have some signed copies for you guys. So be sure to go ahead and purchase that and support us and and everyone else that has been a contributor to this book. So, Amy, again, thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you so much, April. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you guys again for listening. It's wonderful to be back and uh, providing you some wonderful guests. And I hope you have a great day or evening whenever you are listening to this. And just take good care of yourself today. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.